Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Left side, Ibaka. Into the post, Siakam. Siakam's their leading scorer, replacing Kawhi Leonard. Ingles defending. Siakam bumps, backs. He scored 11 points in the final two and a half the other night. Up to Ibaka. Top to Lowry. Step back three as the horn sounds. Good. From behind the timeline on the left side, 30 feet out, Kyle Lowry puts the Raptors up five. I think we really struggled to score, obviously, the last six minutes, and I didn't think that, you know, we were lacking execution per se. Um, we just didn't we didn't score, you know. So, you know, as I said, our, our bench had given us, you know, a great stretch and, and got extended, and then we came back, and I felt like the game was going our direction and, and, and flipped back the other way. Jazz lose to the Raptors last night. Gordon, 101-92. Uh, split story of the day brought to you by our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night? Are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. The Jazz, uh, and specifically their headliners, Gordon, did not play well uh, last night. The Jazz got crunched on the boards. Toronto was a much more physical team. And uh, we were talking about this before we came on the air today. The, the Jazz were actually fortunate that that game was that close because they didn't. It, it was it was not good. Well, uh, let's. Uh, can I make some declarative statements? Because I is, is it uh, some sort of boat thing? Because no. then no, no, okay, nothing to do with a boat. Okay, declare. Do we need do we need like fanfare music? No, for, is no, this we the, don't. that big a deal? Okay, when when the Jazz shoot thirty nine percent. And they get out rebounded, like you said, by nineteen. And their star, their best players, Donovan Mitchell goes four of sixteen, Rudy Gobert goes one of four, and Bogdanovich goes two of eight. And then your star off the bench, Jordan Clarkson, goes three of nine. You ain't winning. You ain't ever winning. That just isn't going to happen. It's like saying two plus two equals eighty. I mean, it just doesn't. It, well, not against a good team like the Raptors, right. certainly. And the Ra- it's not like the Raptors were great last night, and but they're they're coming off uh, their it's the last game of a five game road trip, and they're coming off a back to back. Jake, like you were talking about, it just it, this was set up for the Jazz to win. This was a scheduled win, and they lost. But here's the thing. Pascal Siakam was awesome. Yeah. Serge Ibaka was awesome randomly because he's got to be 110 years old. Uh, (laughs) And Kyle Lowry was really good. So the the Raptors headliners were awesome, and the Jazz headliners were not. And the bench kept them in the game. Joe Ingles was really, really good. And they deserve credit because they're actually playing well. I know you you included Clarkson in your comment there, but I actually thought Jordan Clarkson played pretty well despite he, only he didn't having shoot it well. Right, he had nine points, but other than that, that whole unit played really, really well. And actually, I think it's kind of a good sign with Clarkson that Joe got a little bit of the spotlight last night because he had it going. Because that is kind of the knock on Clarkson, right? That he's he's got tunnel vision and he's going to score, and that's about it. So actually, with Joe having it going and Clarkson maybe taking a little bit of a backseat, I don't think that's actually a terrible thing. But but the Jazz headliners, Bogdanovich, 2 of 8. And I've told you this before, 8 isn't enough shots for that guy. He needs to keep shooting. And Gobert with 4 attempts? Go- what would you make of that? Now, we could probably dissect that for the next hour. 
Okay, so with the with Gobert, what's what's the problem? Is the problem that he's open and not getting the ball, or is the problem that he's not open? I think there are times when he works hard to get position, and the ball doesn't come to him. Now, whether you think it's judicious to get him the ball, if he's got a man on his back, I guess that's up for certain players, teammates to decide. But four attempts, Jake? So they're in they're in a really tricky situation with Rudy because he's got all the incentive in the world to up his offensive numbers. He does. I mean, if he wants that huge, huge contract, he knows. Rudy pays attention to this sort of thing more than anybody else. I mean, he he's watching the NBA every night. He's looking at social media, and Rudy's dialed in. It's it's part of just who who Rudy is. He knows what's at stake. He knows who's getting these types of contracts and who's not. I mean, he's he's very motivated personally to be part of the offense, and I completely get that. Mm-hmm. I completely understand. But the NBA has also changed the way they're playing against pick and rolls, and it's to stop guys like Rudy from doing things like setting the dunk record. And it's not just Rudy. It's it's guys like Giannis, too. I mean, it's it's other you know guys that are getting a lot of action right on top of the rim. In fact, if you look at Toronto and Gordon, sorry, I'm getting a little windy here, but if you look at Toronto and Milwaukee, Locke was talking about this last night, they don't guard the three which is weird because the three has so much value, but they don't really guard the three, but they'll stop you from getting easy twos all night long. So it's kind of a, an interesting it's kind of an interesting strategy there. But the, the NBA is evolving to take away exactly what Rudy does best. So when Rudy has a man between he and the basket, Rudy might think he's pretty confident that he's going to make a play. I, I certainly am not as confident that Rudy's going to make a play as Rudy seems to be, and I wonder how his teammates feel about it. Because he had one critical possession in the fourth quarter, Gordon, where he decided to try and go to the basket from the three-point line, <laughs> and it was a disaster. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where it's really hard. Is it is it Rudy not getting the ball because they're just not getting him the ball, or is Rudy not getting the ball because circumstances working against Rudy certain nights? But. I, I get what you're saying here, Jake, but every team goes into games against the Jazz trying to prevent that from happening. So why does it? Why is it able to happen some nights? Because some teams are more equipped to do it than than There's other teams. There's that, and and look, uh, Toronto's a terrific defensive team. I mean, and they're they are the one of the most rated te- uh, best defensive rating in the league. So I get that, but it's a lot harder for Rudy to be effective when the rest of the team is bricking shots left and right. Yeah, and that was an issue when uh, Rudy's such a big part of the defense. You know, Rudy works hard. It's probably, you know, Coach Chiesa talks a lot uh, about this, but when you when you get the ball once in a while, it buoys your spirits. Well, it certainly does Rudy. It's, it's easier to do some of the hard things when you feel like you're being rewarded a little bit, and I, I get that too. I mean, that's, that's some human nature. But Rudy got obviously frustrated last night. And some, you know, John McEnroe, I think, is the rare athlete that actually plays better when he's frustrated. You know, most, world. most of us get frustrated and, and it doesn't improve our circumstance. And with Rudy, it did not. And I don't think he deserved to be thrown out for his interaction with Ananobi. But Rudy, the way he was reacting to some calls and things, like Rudy was... He was caught up in it. And then he went off in the postgame, too. Yeah. Uh, I uh, on the on him being tossed. I was a little more sympathetic toward uh, the Raptors side of that because I did 
I think we all saw Rudy. Uh, th- th- there had been some back and forth with those two, and Rudy did p- reach his hand out, and uh, that that doesn't uh, necessarily invite the kind of physicality that followed. But uh, Rudy was involved in it too. He was uh, he was not exactly anybody's angel on that sequence. So here's the thing, though, Gordon, you cannot. I don't care what Rudy did. You cannot size up a player <laughs> and try to break their jaw with your elbow. You can't do that. You can't. And so I saw Carmelo. Actually, apparently you can. I saw Carmelo do that to David Robinson once. Remember that one? He uh, measured that and uh, popped him in the side of the head with that elbow. That was that was pretty. Uh, elbows, elbows can be devastating. See, it's. It's probably pretty frustrating if somebody cuts you off in traffic, but you can't drag them out of their car and beat them up. <laughs> you That's know, a good point. Rudy. Please, uh, if, you're, if you're driving out right now, please be careful. Rudy was probably doing some things that were a tad bit aggravating. It would not surprise me. But what you can't do is when you're running down the floor, look right over at Rudy and go, okay, about in range now, and uh, here we go. It is on. You can't, you can't do that. And, and listen, I think where Rudy was frustrated is the ref was right there, and the ref didn't do anything. So then Rudy retaliated, right? And that was probably a bad idea and why he got thrown out of the game. But, I mean, Whatever. I give Rudy a technical and throw Ananobi out, I— I don't know. Whatever. It didn't really affect the outcome of the game. It did not. Uh, so so here's a serious question, and maybe one that I'll explore later on, but I, I've been giving it some thought of late. I'm starting – I'm, I'm asking myself the question, are the Jazz's best players great players in the context of very high expectations? Like you talked about Rudy with the Supermax. Is he worthy of that? Is Donovan... Donovan, where'd you go shooting four of uh, 16 when, you're, when your club needed you? You know? And there are times... And I don't know the answer to this. So this is not a declarative statement. Sometimes when you ask questions, people think you're making statements. I, I don't know. I don't know about this. Well, okay, wait, I don't wait, wait. know how great Donovan Mitchell is. I and I understand that he's still 23 years old, and I understand that there's room for improvement. But we have seen as the Jazz have, have, have undulated, Donovan has as well. I mean, and and when he is your your leader, your and this is a compliment to him. He is the focal point of the Jazz offense. Man, he's had some some nights, and I guess all the great ones do. And so maybe maybe he can still be great and have these off nights. But haven't you seen nights where it just looked like he was in a bit of a fog? Yeah, and I mean, not to get focused on attempts, but uh, for Donovan Mitchell, I mean, 16 attempts, that's probably not enough. He averages 20, you know. I I know we can get focused on percentages and that sort of thing, but I mean, these guys, My I guess my point is, these guys have huge roles on this team. Yeah. They have to fill those roles. And they have to do it consistently. And that's what you're compensated the big bucks for. And we'll see come playoff time. But right now, you know, they're battling for playoff position. That was that was a game that they should have won. And I realize it's the Raptors, but circumstance, yeah. you weren't going to have a, a better shot at the Raptors ever. Well said. 
And so maybe that it wasn't a gimme by any means, but this is one that they needed a little bit and and didn't rise to the occasion. So that's- so he, here's another question, real quick. We can leave it at that. Maybe some of our listeners can respond either the open mic or or you can uh, tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone at Gordon Monson. Uh, what does Donovan have to do to be greater? I mean, what? How can he be a, a consistently great player? And do you think he's there yet? I, I'm, I, holding him, I'm holding him to a high standard here. I get it. Uh, he is a remarkable player. But is he great? Well, let's, let's, let's do a comparison and not, uh, not position, just overall number one offensive option on a team. Is he where Pascal Siakam is? Because he's a number one on a title contender. And has grown at a similar pace to Donovan, right? Throughout his his career. I guess you could say that. Been in the league, uh, this is his fourth year. And he started a little bit slower than Donovan. I'm just more thinking of acceleration the last couple of years. He went from uh, his rookie year 4.2 points a game, uh, second year 7.3, but then all the way in 2018-2019 to 16.9 points per game. And then this year, 23.6. And an outside MVP contender? I don't think he'll come close to the award, but he might get a vote or two. Yeah, I, I suppose you. He's he's a terrific player. So I I think I'd take Siakam over Mitchell right now, absolutely. Don't you? To answer that question honestly, I I don't I don't know. I'm searching for answers here. I I want I want I need help. I do think Donovan's taken a step this year, and I think he has played his best basketball of his career at times this year. But there's there's still another gear. And well, if, he's always talked about efficiency, wanting to be more efficient, and he was anything but that last night. Last night, certainly. I do think overall he's been more efficient. I'll check his shooting percentage, see how that stacks up with what he's done in the past. Is he around 40%? Uh, let's see. Give me a second, and I can I can bring you I, I, up I exactly. Know. But I, I we just I, I don't have a conclusion to these questions. If you could help us out, please participate. The open mic. That's always fun to hear from everybody. Or you can tweet at us. Uh, He's shooting forty five point three percent from the field this year and thirty six point four percent from three, okay, so which that, are both that is an improvement. Those are yeah. both really good numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, and we'll talk BYU basketball in a moment, but uh, some BYU news. The Utah County's attorney, uh, County Attorney's Office is not prosecuting BYU football star Chaz Ayu on charges of driving under the influence of alcohol and marijuana, reckless driving, and three other traffic-related infractions. Um, Did they say why? No, but here's the comment, which the, I thought the comment was kind of weird, uh, coming from Tammy Painter, who's a legal assistant in the County Attorney's Office, which... Why is a legal assistant commenting on this? I don't I don't know. But, quote, our office is declining to prosecute this case and then adds. And this is the confusing part. um, Can you cancel the pretrial and mark the case as declined? And there's a question mark there. So, you know, good times. Uh, But it's it's being dropped against Chaz. It's just it's kind of some weird circumstance, I guess. But they're dropping it all. So good for him. 
sure that's a burden lifted from his shoulders. Yes, indeed. He will not be participating in spring ball, by the way. Kalani Sataki said uh, that that has something to do with a shoulder injury. Ah. Uh, But anyway, Uh, BYU, Gordon, tough loss last night in Vegas to St. Mary's, 51-50. One of the ugliest performances I think I've ever seen. Well, both teams shot under 37%, so that's part of it. But I I thought St. Mary's dominated the style of the game, and I, I thought that that left BYU vulnerable. Well, we're talking about a, a a team in the Cougars that has shot the ball over 50% for most of the year, it seems like. And they did shoot 50% in the first half, but that second half was they shot 24%. And it was just a train wreck. Uh, it, seems, it seemed as though they were struggling to get their shooters in proper position and proper rhythm to take the kinds of shots that uh, they have made a habit of of making. And maybe we give St. Mary's credit for that? Yeah. Uh, for the defense that they were playing and whatnot. But T.J. Hawes, 2 of 14 from the floor. Yoli Childs, it was interesting, early in that game, they went to him and, and uh, St. Mary's would double him and cause him some problems. And he... The ball didn't come back out of that uh, that poster. I thought I was watching Kevin McHale there sometimes. You know, once the ball go, would go in, then it stayed in. And Yoli was having a tough time uh, delivering the ball out to uh, what either were open or, or weren't open shooters. I, I don't know because he didn't pass them out there. But he missed a lot of shots that he typically makes. I mean, shots from four feet and in. Yeah. Are you saying uh, Yoli went Al Jefferson on it? Last night? Well, a little bit. That yeah. ball, you remember that ball went to Big Al? That ball wasn't coming back out. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> it was and going the, to the rim. And then the turnovers were costly. Uh, it's up, it's down. Uh, they, they really struggled in that regard. But this is a terrific shooting team that shot 36.2%. And a one-point loss, you mentioned it, the uh, Gale shot forty. I mean, 36.5. So yeah. they were 0.3 better. And that was good enough to win. Well, see, speaking of Yoli real quick, he was what I thought was the advantage to this particular BYU team, where they they got a little bit of a a finesse kind of thing going. They're a really good shooting team, obviously best in the country at at making the three. Uh Um, You know, a lot of times they want to get up and down the court. They want to run a little bit. I mean, we're we're used to kind of your traditional BYU team in the the modern era. But what Yoli Childs gives you is when a team like St. Mary's disrupts all of that, You've got a guy that you can throw the ball to, and he's going to go get you a bucket, regardless of if it's a slow, slog-it-out, ugly game. Mm -hmm. And to your point, when they needed that, he either didn't make the right read and didn't kick it back out, because I think you make a terrific observation, and he missed a bunch of stuff that he usually makes. I mean, if Yoli was his normal walking bucket self, BYU wins that game probably by a fairly comfortable margin, because St. Mary's did disrupt what BYU wants to do offensively. Uh They did disrupt T.J. Hawes. And I thought that Yoli would be their advantage in those circumstances because you're going to play against scrappy, tough teams right. that want to make it ugly. Mm-hmm. In fact, likely that's who that type of team is who BYU is going to face in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's how upsets happen. You make it ugly and you bring the favorite down to earth. And that's what St. Mary's did. But Yoli's got to come through in those circumstances when it all breaks down. And that that was not to put it all on Yoli, but I thought that that was this BYU team's advantage this year as opposed to other years. Yeah, I agree with you completely, and it did not work. Um, 
Okay, so let me ask you a couple of questions, a couple of coaching questions. That game was tight. I think BYU had the ball with about 44 seconds left. Do you go for two for one in that circumstance so that you have the ball in the final possession? See, that's the that's the great debate, right? Do you want to go the, the, the two for one because, of course, that's advantageous, or do you yeah. want to get yourself a good shot? Uh-huh. Because I think you'll you'll have a lot of coaches come down on either side of that. You know, who cares if you get two for one if it's a bad shot? You'd rather have a good shot. And as far as the defensive uh, assignment on Ford who hit the game winner, uh, Barcelo was an interesting uh, matchup in that series. I mean, he, he got – Ford put a nice move on him and stopped and popped. Wide open shot because Barcelo fell away. It was a really good move. You got to give him credit. I mean, it was a pretty terrific move. He's a good player. Yeah, and I, I think everybody in the building and watching on TV probably thought he was going to the basket. Yeah, well, I don't know if they thought he was going to the basket, but everyone knew that kid was going to shoot it. And and he made a good shot. The, if I were Coach Pope, I wouldn't get bogged down in those details as much as I say that game really shouldn't have been that close. It shouldn't have come but, down to that but, play. But when it did come down to that play, you got to make the right call. You got to have the right man guarding that guy. Yeah, fair enough. Who would and have been I'm, better, Celius? Uh, uh, maybe Connor Harding. Would he have been the way to go? Not sure. That's not my job. All well, I know, I'm, all I know is Barcelo got torched. He did, but it's easy to second guess that. And but. Who would be better? I don't know. That's, uh, that's the hard part. It, you know what? If if you want to merge conversations, the Jazz run into that occasionally. Yeah, where you you go, oh man, Royce got beat like a drum on that play. But who 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 would be better at staying in front of James Harden? Yeah. Oh well, I'm not going to concern myself with that. All I know is the guy who was covering him couldn't cover him. And I don't uh, buy in so much to the rust. Everybody's talking about, oh, they were rusty. They didn't play in nine days. I get that. But St. Mary's was the rusty team. They started the game off horribly, and BYU couldn't pull away from them, which well, was yeah, weird. Hor- which is horrible. Miss it more horrible. <laughs> Missing shots or throwing the ball away. It seems like BYU had seven turnovers in the first three seconds of the game. This was a horrible loss for BYU. This was a horrible, horrible loss. Now, it's not going to be that costly. It's not consequential. Yeah, they're going to get in the tournament, and everybody knows it. It's going to cost them a couple uh, seeding spots. I mean, I I get that. Maybe. You don't don't think so? Nah. It's one game. Yeah, but it's enough. Uh, I think uh, a couple seating spots, like they were a five going into the tournament, has to go to a Saturday, a Thursday, Saturday situation. I, I I think that could cost them. They had an opportunity to win this tournament this year, and I mean, I saw the way they played against Gonzaga, Jake, and it was freaking impressive. And what I saw last night with that BYU team was three or four notches beneath that. If they had played this way. Against Gonzaga, they would have lost by 30. Austin. Like someone predicted. I don't know. Maybe. They would have. You would have been right. I I still was right about some of that stuff, but whatever. All right. There you go. We'll get to more coming up. Uh, Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.